What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today I am so, so excited because I have one of my, like, honestly, oldest friends at this point in my life. Like, I feel like this is crazy that I went to (laughs) high school with Tiffany Millard. She is an amazing artist and performer, and I'm so happy to have you, Tiff. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Anneli. Yes, I'm so excited. Actually, I need to get this intro. I need to get this intro right because not only are you an artist and performer, but you just got this Harvard degree, honey. So you need to do the proper <laughs> intro for people who don't know you already, Tiff. <laughs> yes, well, oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Um, so like Yanelli said, we went to high school together, uh, LaGuardia High School, but going even, even further back, uh, born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, been dancing my entire life, made a career out of it. Uh, after I graduated from, Florida, um, from LaGuardia, I went to Florida State, got my BFA in dance, and then pursued a professional career in dance and musical theater. And I've performed in the shows West Side Story, Chicago the Musical, Memphis, and most recently Hamilton, an American musical. And um, as soon as the pandemic came along, I decided to take a quick pivot um, into graduate school. And I just re- graduated with my degree in uh, my master's in education from uh, Harvard University. And it's an arts and education master's degree. Ooh, <laughs> master's in education from Harvard. First of all, that is an incredible pivot. It's so funny that people talk about all the negative things that happened in the pandemic and how much um, you know, uh, struggle there was in confusion and like loss of income and loss of just inspiration and hope and all these things. But every time I see, I scroll on Instagram, I see your story. And every time I link up with you, I'm just like, this is one of those like the diamond in the rough, the story where it's like, yes, there was a lot of negativity. We're not going to ignore that. We're not going to sugarcoat that or try to sweep it under the rug. But when you find a way to make it through that adversity and turn like pivot into something positive. It's so beautiful. And I think your story is the perfect example of that. So I really wanted to highlight you and just share that. So we're going to get to the, to the Harvard part of the story and like decide, cause that's a big decision to just pause your life. I mean, kind of the pandemic kind of decided to pause our lives for us, but you, but you made the best of that. So we're going to get to that, but I always like to start my show with two really fun money questions because the show focuses a lot on money themes and topics about money that people just don't be trying to talk about because they're a little bit ashamed or money is so taboo. So I try to just make it approachable and just a conversation that, hey, we should we should not feel like that. We should be talking about money. Um, but one of the things that I like to do to get that net that, that negative money, shameful feeling out the way is just put that regret, that biggest money regret out there in the open, like off the bat. So what is one thing that, you think of like when somebody says that your biggest money regret so far in your life that you wish you could go back in time and take it back, undo it, never make that mistake again and not spend money that way. What would it be? And I immediately thought of touring. I did not do a good job of saving while I was on tour. And um, my first tour was the international tour of West Side Story. And Yes, that, I, I was that. very, I was very green, um, like only 20, I was like 23, 24 at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm getting paid to travel the world. Great. I'll just, you know, I'll just have all of this euro and pounds and I'll just spend it and go shopping with it rather than mm. saving. And just like thinking about like the, like the value of the pound and the euro and then bringing it back to the U.S., 
And I could have created mm. so much wealth at the time. In fact, I had, like invested and I just didn't. I was just young and naive and I thought, oh yeah, the money will continue flowing. But after that, I didn't book a job for like almost a year. Mm. So when I came back to New York, like I had to be on unemployment for a bit. And then I found a bunch of little freelance jobs here and there. But if I had that cushion from tour, I would have been much better off um, long term. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, too, because I feel like when you're 22, 23 years old, first of all, it's your first paid job. That's like a real job in what you want to do. So the first time you're making real money that in, in and of itself gets to our head, like we never seen this kind of money, you know, so it's like, oh, I'm I'm. I'm paid. Now I made right. it. I have my break. <laughs> exactly. And that gets, you know, psychologically messes with you. But then in your case, it's also the actual um, math of the money. Like we don't learn about conversions between euros and, and between pesos and between dollars and between pounds. We, we do not learn. I mean, it's a shame, but yeah. our school system does not prepare us to transact with money in different countries or to use other countries' metric systems or whatever it might be. We're so um, American centric, like we're so nationalistic in our school system that you're not prepared when you graduate college to really deal with international opportunities unless you studied international relations specifically, which you right. can't do if you're trying to be a performer. So exactly. So where were you um, performing like in Europe and in, in uh, the UK? So uh, we started rehearsals in Essen, Germany. Then our first stop on tour was Naples, Italy. We went to Montpellier wow. in France, Monte Carlo, um, Luxembourg, Antwerp, Ghent, London for six weeks. So that was so much fun. Um, oh. We went to um, Salzburg, Austria. So like where the sound of music was created. Um, we went to Roubaix, France, Brest, France. I took many vacations. This is where I spent my money. I took, we had a week off, so I went to Barcelona. So I worth it. I love Barcelona. Oh, <laughs> I love Barcelona. Um, went on a mini vacation to Milan, which was nice. So that was the, the benefits of being um, in Europe. You can just travel wherever really quickly. Yeah, girl. The train will get you there in 30, 40 minutes. Yep. I uh, also went to Frankfurt, Munich, Zurich. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of places. So, oh, Tel Aviv. Uh, wow. So it, it Girl, was that's incredible. incredible experience. Great introduction into musical theater. Very like unconventional, but it was amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, not only to be in a piece like the West Side Story, but really to be able to do it in these parts of the world that like most people just never get to travel, especially people who grew up in the hood like us, girl. I mean, okay. hello. And, and, and some of those places are like, like Monte Carlo is like the richest of the rich. So yep. for you to be plucked, <laughs> to be plucked out of the Bronx and shipped off to Monte Carlo to perform, I mean, and then it, I, I could just imagine being 23 and like, having the mindset of like, it's, you know, abundance, the money is, yes, I'm abundant, exactly. I'm, I'm, I can spend, I can spend, I can spend, right? All right, lavish, living lavish. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so what about on the flip side? What's a time where you feel like this is a money moment that I'm always going to be proud of? Like the, the money spent was well spent and it doesn't matter if somebody else might not think that, but for me, that money was well spent and I'm proud of spending it that way. I would never regret it. 
Um, honestly, I would say um, this past year, going back to school. Um, mm. At first I was like, oh, do I really wanna commit to this financially? But I think the payoff is so worth it. Um, just the network that I've built, um, honestly, just having that on my resume, the skills that I've accumulated over the year. Um, yeah, I, it's an investment for sure. And I yeah. definitely think it'll pay off long-term with regards to, to the goals that I have set for myself post-performance career. So I'm really excited to see how I can utilize all the knowledge that I've um, received over the year. And I think it was such a great investment to go back to school. Yeah, it's definitely a hard choice too, especially during a pandemic because it's not gonna be like quite the same. Um, but I love that you made this point, which was the, the term that you use post-performance. I, I think a lot of young people, they don't think about their future self like, when they can't perform anymore, when their body ain't the same, when the yeah. gigs aren't get, you know, booking the way they used to, that's like, to them, it's like so inconceivable. It's so out of their mind that they don't prepare or plan for it or think ahead about it. And so I love that you said, well, I'm already thinking about my post-performance career. What is that part of my life going to look like? And what can I do right now to prepare myself to be good, to be set up well, when that does come? And like, I mean, that's, to me, the whole kind of theme about being smart about money early on is because one day you're going to get to the point where you don't want to mm -hmm. be working. You don't want to like be working yourself to death to the point where, you know, you're um, somebody's grandma and you still have to report to work every day. Because, and even if you don't want to, because you have to, you should be reporting to work because you want to, not because you have to. And so I think it's that same mindset, right, of preparing for your future self. In your case, your future self is like, you know, post-performance. So I, I just think that that's such a smart mindset that you have already off the bat. Thank you. Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough to think it, that it far is. ahead. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want to think that far because you want to think that you can dance forever, right? But I was like, <laughs> I'm in my 30s. Like, I got to keep it real with myself. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. There's lots of wear and tear. Mm -hmm. So how am I positioning myself? Who are the people that I'm surrounding myself with that are are not only performers, but are people who are passionate about the arts um, yes. in a different way. So yeah, I, I don't think I could have used this year in a better way for myself. Uh, I love that, that self-development girl, take the, the dark times and turn them into something productive, which is so easy to say, right? It's like, oh yeah, so inspiring, but to do it is so hard. So I think, you know, your, your story is one of like act, taking action, which I love, love, love. Um, okay, so tell us about how how did Hamilton happen? Because you started with West Side Story. I mean, you've been dancing forever. I got to tell y'all, when I was in high school, I remember, and I, I, Kiana, my best friend Kiana, who Tiff knows as well, could okay. totally attest. <laughs> Ki, Kiki could totally attest to this. Me and Ki would go up to, because at LaGuardia, there's like all these floors. There's, you know, eight floors. And we would, art was usually on the seventh floor, but we would go up one flight between classes to go on the eighth floor where the dance majors were just to like be in the hallway peeking in because we like if we could change majors if we could like create a talent we didn't have and switch talents both of us were obsessed with dance we would have we would have totally give up our drawing skills and our art skills to be able to dance like we were just mesmerized and tiff was always spot on i'll never forget the senior showcase your piece was like I, my jaw was on the floor <laughs> tears were in my eyes I'm like yo tiff is literally the definition 
of talent. Like you're use your body in, in ways. It's just like, you, I feel what you feel when you're dancing. You're such an incredibly talented dancer. And I feel like I just knew you were going to be big. You were going to take dance so far. And then one day I scroll on Instagram and I see I'm in Hamilton. I'm like, of course, if it's in <laughs> Hamilton, duh, like that is a no brainer. But, you know, I'm sure to a lot of people, it looks like Oh, it was just like overnight success, you know, like, wow, Tiff was dancing and then she's in Hamilton, of mm -hmm. course, but it's such a process. I mean, I'm sure you will never forget the day that that went down where you got the news and everything, but I know that there was more of the process to being cast in Hamilton, but tell us that story. Cause I know a lot of people want to hear this. Yeah. So <laughs> funny enough, when I first heard that Hamilton was a thing, um, this was back in like 2015 and they were first having auditions. I read the breakdown, like the description of the show, and I was like, this sounds like whack. <laughs> and you know, us from New York, like we just like dead it like immediately, like, what is this? Like a hip hop musical about the founding fathers? Like, who will watch that? <laughs> oh, wow, unbeknownst so to me, it would be one of the biggest shows of all time. Um, yes. But yeah, uh, I think it was my karma because I auditioned for the show maybe like four times. Yeah. Got cut. First round, got cut. First round. <clears throat> Three times, got cut first round. I made it to the second round once, got cut afterwards. And I was like, yo, like, this choreography really fits my body. Like, I love it. Like, I watch the show and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm obsessed. All right, you got yes, me. <laughs> yes. um, like, I want to be in this and I want to, I want to play the bullet. Like, her, her role is super dope. Like that's me right there. So after a while, I just, I got over it. Cause I was like, okay, maybe I'm not meant to be in the show. It's fine. Then my agent's like, Hey Tiffany, we have an appointment for you to audition for Hamilton. I'm like, I am a go, whatever. <laughs> so I go first round, they asked me to stay. I'm like, okay. Second round, they asked me to stay. I'm like, oh, right. Then they asked me to sing. I'm like, okay, we get somewhere, get somewhere, go back home. My agent's like, hey, you have a callback. And I'm like, oh, okay, singing callback. Then I had a session with the music director. And I'm like, oh, wow, all right. Then I go up to a final callback. And that's being filmed for the entire creative team, including Lynn wow. herself. So Lord. I do that. Ooh. It's like 10 in the morning uh, like um, in Times Square. I felt really, really good about it. I was like, that was the best thing that I could have ever done. Like, wow. I like, and the thing was like, I feel at that point because I had been cut from the show so many times, I was like, I have nothing to lose. The worst thing they can yes. tell me is no. Mm. And I'm just going to be my best self. I'm not going to like, this is not the end all be all. Right. And so I just went in there, did my thing. Um, and then I waited and I waited. It felt like I waited for two years. It was probably only like two to three weeks that I waited. Dang, um, that's a long time though. Yeah, Ooh. it is for a, for a job like this. Like, because <laughs> you've been going crazy your future. So yes. um, I'll never forget August 15th, 2018. Uh, I got a phone call from my agent and she's like, hey, Tiffany, so I have some news for you. Um, you're going to Puerto Rico. I'm like, what? <laughs> She was like, yeah, you're going to be playing the bullet in Hamilton in Puerto Rico with Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I was like, wait, what? So I didn't know anything at this point. I was like, wait, so Hamilton's playing in Puerto Rico and Lynn is going to be in it? 
like, yeah, he's repri- reprising his role. I was like, wow, I've been living under a rock because I didn't think <laughs> any of this. So I was like, you dead ass? Like, I literally said that. For real, for real. She was like, um, yeah, <laughs> yes, you are, like, you got the offer. And oh. I just could not believe it because I was actually on my way to the post office to mail her a, a check from a commercial I just did. So I had to like pay my commission. And yeah. I wasn't, I did not have a lot of money in my account at that point. So to find out that I was going to have this job, this, we call it a, like a government job. Um, like good money. So yeah, and it's so stable. Um, the show's yeah. not going anywhere for a while. So to go from, that to this I'm just like oh my god thank you lord mm, mm. exactly what I needed like right on time and yeah the rest was history uh started rehearsals in November 2018 went to Puerto Rico uh, January 2019 uh, we got to perform on the Jimmy Fallon show which was really cool um and then and the Grammys right was it the Grammys no 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 our cast did not um so oh. we were the um Puerto Rico and San Francisco cast. The original cast, I think, performed in the Grammys and the Tonys. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They did um, at the Tonys. You're right. Yeah. And then um, going to March 2020, and we finished our matinee March 11th, and this COVID thing was happening. We were like, what is this? What does this mean? What what is what is all of this? Like everybody was real scary on stage. Like, don't cough on me because I don't know what's going on. Then the governor of California, Governor Newsom, was like, everything, done, shut down. Uh, Company manager was like, you guys have to pack your things and leave the theater. Um, So I wasn't able to pack everything. I still have things in the theater, (laughs) which I leave um, soon. But yeah, then that was it. So it was a very abrupt ending to my Hamilton journey. But to be continued. <laughs> Definitely to be continued because yeah. y'all have a lot of shows that people were ready to like show yeah. up and watch and then the shows just got postponed, canceled, what have you. So there are people out there just waiting for the day for the theater to open back up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's not over, but it, it's so nuts because most, a normal average everyday person would be like, yeah, you know, I left my stuff at my desk, my office closed. Like, Girl, no, the theater has her personal belongings <laughs> all the way out in yes, San Francisco. I like, say, Nelly, that we are reopening uh, August 10th in San Francisco. So if you're listening to this, come through and we'll be on tour for a year. So all on the West Coast. So I went to um, San Francisco a lot last year for or pre-COVID, pre-COVID, so not 2020, but 2019. 2018 and 2019, I was back and forth a lot between San Francisco and New York because of my role. Um, as the director for educational outreach at this nonprofit that's based in Palo Alto in, in, in you know, right out, out near SF. But I, you know, obviously live in the city. So I'm like going back and forth a lot. And then I'm like, wait, Tiff is out here. I gotta, I gotta hit her up. So we linked up, we hung out. I got to see the show with Tiff in it, not once, but twice. Nice. Like, yes. oh my <laughs> Lord. I took my boyfriend to see it. I took a friend to see it. I told everybody at my job, like, yo, if y'all need tickets, my friend Tiff got the hookup. She's the bullet. Okay. Just let me know. <laughs> we can hook it up. Coworkers, my coworkers went to see it. Like, and I just feel like going and actually seeing the show. And then right after we we went um, out for drinks and we had this really good talk about the way that you, it kind of like, it's kind of like your story too about um, your experience with West Side Story, but the way that you transition into 
this creative um, profession, it's it can be, you know, like a rough transition because at first you're like a starving artist. You're really just chasing your passion. You're doing all this creative work and it brings you so much joy. But like, let's be real, joy don't pay the bills. And so, but then, but then all of a sudden, you're freaking casting Hamilton and you're making good money. And especially if you're, um, you know, one of like the, the principal cast members, like then, then we're talking about people that are really bringing in the money. And yet you feel like from one day to the next, like, again, money comes in. You also have this level of notoriety because now people know you now they're waiting outside the theater to get your signature. Now they are, you know, following you on Instagram and the followers are coming in droves and all of this, again, the psychology, right? Like it, it starts to get into your head, like, and mess with your head and put this pressure on you to feel like you're in this place and you have to match that level of that place wear the certain type of clothes to show that that that's where you are in your life you know maybe drive a certain type of car or live in a certain type of apartment to show that this is where I am at in my life even if you're not actually at that place like financially you might have some things that you need to put in order so can you talk about that a little bit because you saw it firsthand and I mean I'm not I don't, you don't need to throw anybody under the bus or anything. I don't, you need name names or anything like that. But I think in any of your um, experiences, we're all the way from West Side Story, going way back to that, all the way up to Hamilton, seeing this, um, I guess, like this phenomenon kind of play out where you have these young creative people go from nothing to something and then ball out of control because of the pressure. Um, so talk about that. Yeah, I was definitely one of those people. Like I said, when I was at West Side Story, yeah. um, Mondays was our dark day. So we'd be off from work. And I can, I can think of London, for instance. I would go shopping every Monday. For what? I don't know. I don't have any of those clothes anymore. Maybe like one pair, Same. maybe a shirt. Like, mm -hmm. But just thinking about all the money that I spent, and it's like, well, like if I'm in the theater every day, why am I buying more clothes right now? Like, does it make sense? You know, and even going up to Hamilton. And I think because I, I knew that I was like comfortable financially, I was like, oh, okay, I can treat myself to more things. But then it just like, I just went more and more and more to the point where I was like, oh, I'll do. Granted, I do justify some of the things that I did because a lot of it was taking care of my body. So like I had a spa membership and I, then I would get my, nails done nails and clothes on every three weeks so that was a lot I was that was a push but I'm like, I deserve it so I was trying to justify everything but yeah. mm, as soon as I got home after the pandemic that humbled me a lot because mm. mm. um, I was um went from paying like 26 to 27 hundred dollars for a small studio in San Francisco to moving back in with my parents best decision I made financially um yes. at first I was like oh, but I was just living in my own place. I have money saved. I can just get a, a little spot in, in Tampa near my parents I don't have, so I can like have a sense of independence. And I don't have, no, my parents were like, come home, save your money, okay? So that you can buy later on. And I was yes. like, okay, cool. So I came home. I canceled a bunch of subscriptions that I had. I mean, I don't watch TV anyway. I don't know why I had HBO Max, Hulu, Amazon, like all of that stuff. And as, all of them. I, as soon as I became a student, all of my accounts were student accounts. Honey, I'm yes. Like, I am not going to be paying top dollar for these memberships like Apple Music. Like, and it adds up. Like you see the difference in your yes. spending. So I, I just learned so much. And like 
the only expense that I have really are like my phone bill and like car insurance and then student loans, of course. But that in comparison to how much I was spending before, like all of those like maintenance things that I was doing to my body, like I, I no longer do it. I don't like I don't need it. And I think going back to tour in a few months now I know what, what my limit will be. Like I will have more discipline as I go out on the road. Like I'm like, okay, I have a goal of mine. I want to end up like buying a place. These are the things that I can spend money on. And the rest, that's just luxury. Like I don't really need it. So. Right. Not right now. Not right now. You don't need it right now. But once you hit your goals and the money's still coming in, great. You can do all the luxury you want. But, and I, that's such a great point. I think that, um, that what you're, the way that you think about it is like, oh, but what are people going to think if they see me move back in with my mom and dad after living out by myself in San Francisco and, you know, and the life that I had, like, how can I- One the most expensive city, if not the most expensive city in the U.S. Honey, they really trying (laughs) to come for, they're trying to come for New York City's crown, honey. They trying to come for it with these prices out in San Francisco. It's nuts. And, but, you know, and that's part of it too. It's like you, you, as an artist, you go to these cities that are not, cheap. I mean, these are high cost of living cities and this is where there's thriving arts communities. And of course there's some, you know, smaller ones and bubbles here or there, but that's primarily where like the big Broadway shows are and where all the big, you know, opportunities are for being cast in things. And so that's even more of a thing because now you're not in, you know, a cute little town or city somewhere. You're in New York city, you're in Los Angeles, you're in San Francisco, like, and so it really um, accumulates even more the, the pressure and also the way that you have to spend in order to maintain your lifestyle. Uh, but I love the fact that you were like, I, I had to like go seek, seek logic, like go to a place yeah. of like reasonability. Like what, who do I, who am I getting a place in Tampa near my mom when I can literally go to her place? She's offering me free stay in my house, in my house, I'm going to go there and use all the money that I would be throwing away to give another landlord, give it to myself so that I can become a landlord. Like if we, if we (laughs) think like that, right. It's those, um, that is, I guess it's like a shift in your mentality because I definitely at when when I was in my mid twenties, girl, I would have went and got a little place in Tampa and, but being 30, I think being in a different place in your life where you really do clearly see yourself building your future, it's easier to make little sacrifices like that, which probably didn't honestly, girl, probably didn't even feel like a sacrifice. You love your mama and you hadn't seen her. You were traveling. Like it was probably nice to be home for a little while too. Yeah, it, it really was, especially during this time. Um, yeah, I think we've been each other's anchor during this like crazy hectic time and just the opportunity to like get to know my parents on a different level rather than just seeing them hire Riley, come see a show and then they leave, but like just mm-hmm. be with them as an adult, as adults. It's uh, yeah, it's been a really uh, beautiful experience. Oh, I love that. That makes me so jealous because my parents are like, <laughs> it's a very different thing when I mean your parents are Jamaican right so yeah so my my dad's Jamaican and my mom's from the British Virgin Islands okay so you see you have like all of that Caribbean influence for me imagine like my my parents they never in their heads they never left Dominican Republic so even though they live in New York City they don't Mm -hmm. act like it they didn't really learn English they never really fully like they're kind of you know in the New York lifestyle in the New York City lifestyle but it's when I like as an adult if I try to build a relationship with them it's so hard like we we have a very like 
traditional like father daughter mother daughter it's not like mm-hmm. a real like I don't feel like I have a friendship bond with my parents I feel like I have like I'm their daughter and I have to do these things to make sure they're good and you know kind of like you know, how, how you see like a teacher. It's like, it feels like a professional relationship. And I'm so jealous of my friends when they tell me that they have these beautiful friendship bonds with their parents. And they finally got to that place where their parents see them as like another adult and not like their baby. Yeah. They're always going to see you as their baby. Right, exactly. But... <laughs> yeah, my mom's like at night, where are you? Call me when you go home. Always, that will never end. Yes, I don't think that's going anywhere, girl. <laughs> People listening, just call your mama, okay? Call right. your mamas. <laughs> Well, I really wanted to talk about finding support, though, because I do feel like when you jump into a space like that, you almost kind of have to create your own way to transition and to figure it out, literally figure it out on your own. Um, is there any resource for people like if you're if you're, they're listening out there and they're like, yo, this is like my story, like I'm like Tiff, I'm creative, I'm an artist, I'm a performer or a visual artist, and I want to make this my, my profession, I want to be able to, to make a living from this, but I always thought like it wouldn't be possible because I wouldn't make money or I wouldn't find opportunities. There are opportunities. There are ways to make money. Of course, it's um, not like, you know, everybody's going to do it. But once you do kind of transition over, there's all these aspects to succeeding in the space, legal contracts, you know, a salary, a packet, negotiating the pay, like all these different things. Is there a, a, like a transitional support system or like, do they put, pair you up with a mentor or somebody who, you know, is also in the, in this space, because I feel like there's a lot of things that you have to kind of figure out, right. Especially if you're on the road, like if you're on the road, like you're budgeting on the road, that's so hard. Um, is there like a, you know, they put you aside and do a little training of life one-on-one or, or financial training or anything like that, or is it straight up like, okay, you're cast and it's just a regular, it's type of like, like a regular job offer. Like you need to figure this all out and just show up when, to rehearsals and show up to work. And the other stuff is like on you. Is that more so the culture in, in the arts than I would think? Yeah. So I would say that um, for the most part, it's like, all right, we've given you this contract. You go over it with your agent. They negotiate certain things and then you decide whether or not you want to take it and then move forward from there however um with the union I'm a part of actors equity association they do have a lot of resources and seminars um, about like how to understand your contract and the different stipulations within a contract um also um financial tips they have accountants with uh, associated with actors equity that some of my cast members use to like file their taxes and like do all of that um, thankfully, my mom is my accountant, um, so That's she amazing. helps me a lot with like money management and budgeting and, and things like that. I'm not where I need to be, but um, <laughs> I think she spoils me because she does my taxes for me. Um, <laughs> but also, um, the Actors Fund also has a lot of seminars and um, workshops for um, building financial knowledge. Um, I actually received a scholarship from the Actors Fund for school because they had a, um, a scholarship for dancers that are returning to school to pursue Ugh. something. And I just had to show like seven years of uh, performance experience. Girl, you and got that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm up there in age now. <laughs> but no, um, yeah. And it, that, it was, that was really helpful. Uh, it was really, really helpful to know that I have the, as a support system, as I sought out other um, educational opportunities um, during the pandemic. And they also offered a lot of help 
um, like financial help for artists who were struggling financially during this time. That's beautiful. It sounds, it sounds like two things to me. One is you have to have the right tribe around you. Your Mm -hmm. agent is so important. It sounds like that agent is negotiating for you. You better have a good agent, the right agent that is a good fit for you. You also are part of a union. That's part of your tribe that these people are rooting for you and, and defending you and protecting your rights. I mean, it seems like you really made sure that it, there's a tribe, there's a team, your people, that you're not doing this solo. You're not going at this alone, just trying to book things on your own and trying to like, you know, make it in the space by yourself. Like that's, that's not how you do it. And I think that applies across the board in any career field and anything, even people now that are like, oh, entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, I do everything by myself. No, you don't. You know you don't. You know you have a support system. You know there's people that help support you. And that, and if there aren't, you're doing it wrong because you need, you need your, your, your tribe, your support system, and your team to really be there to support you. Um, and, and amazing that you found a way to tune in and tap into all those resources because it's not like a formal okay, everybody, day one of the job, sit around in a circle, we're going to talk to you about your retirement, like options, like, no, but there, the resources are there. If you go looking for them, they are there. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned school already. So let's transition over to that. You really, I think are a beautiful example of the pivot, like the pandemic pivot, as we say, (laughs) like, I mean, for us, I, it's crazy. You said seven, you needed to show them seven years of experience. And in my head, I'm doing the math like seven. I've been watching Tiff dance since 17 years ago. Like since we, was, <laughs> since we was 14, like freshman year. This is, that's crazy. It's crazy. I feel like we so, oh girl, we out. I know, right? <laughs> but we look good though. <laughs> yes, girl. And, and it's so funny for me to think about like, just being two girls from the hood and in your case like going from the hood going to Hamilton and then to Harvard like which is that right there that might just be the title girl hood to Hamilton to Harvard but <laughs> I love it really like you know really making that um that journey to pave your own path in a way that was gonna make sense for you with where you were in your life but I know that must have been a tough decision process. Like it's a pandemic people are out here it's a struggle and you're the show is paused for a bit you don't know what's gonna happen and you're like yep, I'm gonna go out and do my master's at Harvard right now. Like that's, how did you figure that that's what was right at that time? Yeah, so, all right, going back 10 years ago, I was graduating from Florida State. I um, got a certificate in arts and community practice. I was also a dance major. So um, I had started an after-school dance program while at Florida State. And I was really passionate about teaching. Like I love, love teaching youth. And I knew at some point that I wanted to return to school um, to get my master's in either arts administration or arts and education because I wanted to start an arts and education nonprofit eventually. And also like be um, like a director of education at like a Lincoln Center, Kennedy Center, something like that, like post-performance career. Not talking about now because (laughs) while I still can, I'm gonna be dancing. But um, yeah, so. I was reflecting on that experience and I was like, all right, hmm. so I know I have this set in my heart to do and I'm sitting here this time last year. Um, all right, what, wow. what can I do? Oh, maybe I can go back to school. Let me look up different programs. I was looking, looking through programs and um, to be honest, some of the faculty at these schools, I was like, mm, it's not giving me the diversity that I need. Um, and I came across Harvard and I hadn't seen their program before, but 
they had an arts and education program that fit exactly what I was looking for. Like you constructed your own um, schedule pretty much. And you were given two um, advisors and I looked through the faculty and I was like, oh, wow, look at all these black women on faculty. Like this, like the first faculty, there were Latinx women, there were um, Asian women and black men. And I was just like, oh my God, this is where I need to be. And my mentor was like, this is where you need to be. I'm writing a recommendation, end of story. So um, I decided then that I wanted to apply for this program. And before that, I was like, okay, why am I applying to Harvard? Like, Tiffany, you really reach it. That's a reach. Okay. Like, <laughs> what is the acceptance rate at the school? Like, oh, please. That's that little voice in your head that you got to. Oh, yes. Like, what makes you think that you be able? I was like, wait, what makes you think that I'm not capable? Mm. Like, honey, look at what I've done. And not to honey. say that in like a, an arrogant way, but like, I've done the work yes. and I've been in it for a while. And like it's something that I'm genuinely passionate about and if I can convey that in my application then why you know well yeah, why not so um yeah I saw that it was also a year program so I was like okay that's great I don't think I'm going back to work anytime soon seeing how who the hell knows <laughs> right <laughs> seeing how this pandemic is playing out you know I'm just gonna you know leave it in God's hands and just have faith and move forward in the process so I submitted my application July 1st of 2020. July 31st, I got my acceptance letter. Girl, that's faster than Hamilton accepted okay. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, Harvard. And funny enough, they had just opened for the first time ever because of the pandemic, they opened up a summer application process for students who would not have been able to attend Harvard otherwise, like myself, like I was performing full-time. I didn't have time to go back to school, nor did I have time to go to Cambridge, but because it was virtual, they were like, okay, let's open it up. They also, you know, of course they want more money, but um, it's a business. It's a business. Yeah. It's a business at the end of the day, but it allowed so many people who wouldn't have so many people of color, honestly, because, you know, we can't afford to take time off. Mm. unfortunately so just to to see the cohort as um amazing individuals I was just so honored to be a part of that cohort and just this these people were just so passionate I don't know if it was like the the urgency of the pandemic and like everything that was going on um politically and socially I was like oh my gosh these people are like change makers and I need to step up like I was just I was inspired every single day by my classmates and yeah, I started September uh, 2020. And I just graduated on May 27th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my master's. I did, uh, took 34 credits. Um, so seven classes the first semester and then five classes spring um, semester. And yeah, it was a lot of work, but it was so, so worth it. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like it um, deepened my work as an artist, not only as an like, educator, arts educator, but like as an artist and as a performer. Like, I feel like I have like a deeper sense of purpose of why I do what I do. And yeah, I'm really excited to go back um, to performing and just having this, um, this wealth of knowledge now that I can bring with me. And this, I feel like I've become more mature over mm. the course of the year, just 
as an individual and just as like someone who has read a lot, like I had not read this much in God knows how long. Um, but yeah, Girl, that reading, that reading be crazy. They'd be like, so for tomorrow, the next 213 pages. Like, exactly. So, 213 pages in one right. night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But just, and also I think what made it so special were my classes. My colleagues yes. really yes. made my Harvard experience what it was. And I would it's not amazing. trade it for anything. Oh, that's amazing. Shout out to them. I completely agree because being in college, you know, it's funny because this is our, you got 2011, just like me. So this yeah. is our 10 year college graduation from our bachelor's, right? And <laughs> honey, honey, I didn't want to say it, but it's the truth, the truth, <laughs> what I have. Yeah. So every time, like I was looking online and I'm like so sad because usually, you know, uh, at Brown, you go back like every year if you can, because there's this like big procession and everything. But especially you try to go back five years, 10 years, you know, those big ones. But so for 10 years, of course, because of COVID, they canceled right. the 10 year. And so they're going to do like a joint one next year um, with for like three classes that haven't had a chance um, to, to do there in person. But it's just funny because every time, even before like COVID, I would go back every now and then to speak at Brown or to just to visit and it never felt the same. Like it's, a, it, it's amazing to be back. And I definitely get the like butterflies in my stomach. Like I remember living here, being here, walking around, going there, eating there and stuff. But for some reason, there's always a, a little void, like something missing. And it's exactly what you said. It's because the people, my classmates, the, the, the people that I experienced being there with, we're not there. Like if I go back and visit now, it's totally different people there. It's right. not my, it's not the years I was there, the people that I was there with. So the, the people really made it for me. And I absolutely, um, I couldn't agree more. Like when you're in a space and you're doing an experience and you have a connection with the people there yeah. without them, it's just, it's a completely different experience. Cause they're the ones that created the, the human connection is what makes that experience so special and so inspiring for, and you know, for you is such a developmental um, phase of like your growth, your professional growth, but also your personal development that you've talked Absolutely. about being more mature and, and thinking about things differently because of that experience. So that's incredible. So, I mean, shout out to your, uh, cohort and also just shout out yeah. to you for that determination to say yeah I had that little voice in my head that said who the heck you think you are going to Harvard but you know what Book flick her little tiny so out of your head yeah. flick her out flick her out <laughs> and focus on you know the bigger goals and the things that you you know you can achieve because of your determination your passion you are capable you're fully capable who 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 else is more capable please tell me who else was in here doing all the work who else was out here performing doing the mentorship working with the kids like it's everything that you would need to be able to hone in on that and make it your craft you have so why not why not right why not and so now you're going back you're going back august you said august 10th it's uh hamilton's picking back up in san francisco and I feel like the pandemic really made people just like, I mean, and especially artists, like it really hurt because a lot mm -hmm. of artists really depend on an audience or, um, you know, being live, whether that's in a theater, whether that's in a concert hall, whether that, you know, whatever that looks like, but that live audience is th those tickets. I mean, that's the livelihood for a lot of these artists and even the people who support the artists, the tech people, you know how it is at LaGuardia, everybody yeah. at the end of every show, you stand up and you give the, your hand to tech because without tech, without the right. techies, the show doesn't, you know, happen. So are, are we, do you think, I'm curious what you think because you, you're in the space and you're heading back. Do you think it's going to be like a bounce back or do you feel like it's never really going to be the same and artists might even have like a harder time now post pandemic because of the shift in the way that things are going to be post pandemic. Um, so I am pretty optimistic about the return to Broadway. I think um, 
for for various reasons. One, because audiences are so eager to return. And I think because a lot of people have been vaccinated, they feel more comfortable, therefore they're going to go. A lot of people have them like, surprisingly have the money, the the wealthy, (laughs) like they became more wealthy. Like they, they were chilling. So they bought tickets just like that. You know what I'm saying? So Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't feel nervous about the return to Broadway, like shows reopening. Um, I feel like um, there's been a really meticulous process with safety protocol. Right. So I know like Hamilton has its own operations. I'm sure each show has their own operation. Theaters have been um, renovated and they've installed systems for air, air filtration um, to make sure that nobody's like consuming anything. Um, also, like with the mask, with the requirements and things like that, while in the theater um, is really important. But I think um, during this time, shows have been taking very necessary steps to ensure that everybody is healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm also excited about on like a more like social level is just the um, the the raising consciousness about different issues about racism within the um the arts community specifically on broadway and how are we tackling that even from like um like behind the scenes so like the representation or lack thereof of musicians and tech people and casting Mm -hmm. and the creative teams like choreographers directors etc etc and making sure that their voices are on those stages and making sure that the artists who they're hiring represent whatever story like in a fair and equitable way that's right so we need to make sure it goes all the way up to because the visibility of you on stage is a beautiful the representation is so important and beautiful to have a young black girl go on broadway and see you tiff on that stage like that is it just gives you chills you know there were no black women on the stage like they were so rare to see and so mm-hmm. now to have a cast that's almost all people of color is incredible, but also we need to go all the way up. I mean, Lynn is an example of that, but really thinking about all the way up to leadership and to the creative directors and the directors, executives, all those levels need to also be just as diverse as the cast. Um, so I think that's a great point, that point that you just made. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I know Hamilton has been doing a really great job of um, creating like a pipeline. So for instance, with um, uh, with students that are interested in like stage management, company management, tech, they have this program now where if you are a, a student, a person of color, and you want to get into these programs, they offer you scholarships and they have training programs for you. Um, they've also given scholarships for, for students who may not um, have the finances to go to school. So they're really um, doing the work. Um, and I, I, I can proudly say that I'm a part of um, a, a company that is really like putting their money where their mouth is in terms of creating a pipeline for um, students of color and just creating more access because that's what we need because like you said it starts at the top and if the people at the top are doing what they need to do then you'll see the results that is so true it really is that way oh I'm so happy that I got you on the show Tiff your story is amazing and you. you know it's like I can I can just sense it this uh wisdom that you have that you are now going to take with you moving forward from your experience at Harvard, from your experience being in Hamilton and now returning back and just the shift that you made in your life and taking advantage of that pivot is so incredible. Shifting your money mindset, coming at this right, thinking about building wealth instead of just spending is just 
all those things at once. It's like the new TIFF 2.0. I just, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Well, let people know um, if they loved your story, if they want to follow you and, and, you know, support all the work that you're doing in, in Hamilton and beyond, where can they find you? Is it TikTok, Instagram? I don't even know where people be. I follow you on Instagram, but, you know, just so yeah, that folks know. I don't know. have a TikTok because I would Girl, just, me neither. I'd be so consumed on it. I like <laughs> For the dancers, TikTok is like a oh, drug, yeah. bro. Yes. Like, oh, little dancers. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so but cute yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Tiffany N. Millard. Um, yeah, so you can follow me on there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to link that below. Tiff is an amazing person to follow just because it's such a variety of stuff that you share. Sometimes you'll go into rants. Sometimes you'll just post up <laughs> what you're up to. Sometimes it'll just be like, you know, work stuff, personal stuff, workout, yoga. Like it's just a variety of it's like a day in your life. And I love that just to be able to get, you know, to tune into what is life really like for somebody who made their passion, their profession. So I love it. I love following you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, girl. So I always wrap up the show with a, a mantra. It could be a money mantra since we talked about money themes today, but it could also be a general mantra. And then I'll put your face on a dollar bill with the mantra above you. So that it's that idea that like every time we're transacting, we think about this mantra to help us make our decisions with money in life um, so that we're, we're really thinking carefully instead of just like blah, blah, willy nilly with our decisions. So what would your mantra be? I thought of my high school yearbook quote. <laughs> which is from Jay-Z um I don't I guess you could tie it to money and finances in a way um but the mantra that I use is um difficult takes a day impossible takes a week mm. I love yeah. that I yeah. love that it's from um the song Diamonds from Sierra Leone by Kanye West but yeah I that is that. like my yeah something that's difficult takes a day something that is impossible impossible quote unquote yeah exactly it takes a week I love that that's amazing that is just like that's perfect for what you talked about it's like in my head I was like who who's telling me who who made me think I could go to Harvard and then literally two weeks later you get your three <laughs> two weeks three weeks later you turn the impossible into something that you like that that's like the perfect quote I think for your story and for this overarching theme of you really going out there and overcoming adversity and creating this life that you want, which I, I mean, I just think it's beautiful. I can't wait to come to your house, woman, when you finally buy your house yes, and you invite me over. <laughs> yes, I love it. It's going to be so amazing to see you go full, full, full circle after us having this conversation. So thank you so much for making time for this. I love, love, love your story, thank your journey. You. Love you, love support you and everything Nelly. you do. Thank of you course. So much. Baby.